0: We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the
1: Everyday Driver Car Debate. You can probably tell already the podcast sounds different. I'm sure it sounds different than the opener. That is because we are sitting in a hotel room, and there's all three of us. Paul and I I were prepping for this this podcast, and Chance said, well, I, I know what to do for that, and I, I can talk on that. And I said, Chance, would you like to be on the podcast? So it's all three of us at once.
2: Sheepish. Not,
1: not well, kind of. <laughs> you were kind of busy editing photos, but you were kind of like, hey, I could submit. So here we are, all three of us. We're recording in a hotel room. I'm sure it's echoey. I apologize for that. We are in the midst, actually when we record this, we're in the midst of a weekend out of town for Lemons shooting and TV shooting and meetup, and so it was recorded while that was happening. That is all
0: ended. And I'm not going to tell you what happened. Yeah, we're not going to give this away. We're not going to give it away. So welcome, guys. We're we're into a, a debate that is uh, going to be for Casey Cook. He's known as Carguments in Indiana. And he writes to us with a $7,000 budget mm-hmm. looking for a rear-wheel drive car. And it seems to be our rear-wheel drive jonesing, our influence, you know, consistently talking about this and wanting yeah. you guys to experience a rear-wheel drive car yeah. has been... On your minds, it seems like. So thank you for the email, Casey. And then we've got a Topic Tuesday that actually relates to all three of us because yeah. we have had experience. And I think it, it's you know recent, fresh in your mind, from sure, the new yeah. Rallyard purchase. Chances bought and sold out of state. But really what we're talking about for the Topic Tuesday is buying a car out of state. What do you do? How do you deal with it? People yeah. have ex- expressed surprise as to... How do people actually let you go do a pre-purchase inspection? How will they do yeah, that? Yeah. How do they trust you? How do you build that rapport? So we're going to go over that a little bit. Well, and we've got you know two parts of that equation because
1: you know we've we've all done the thing, all three of us have done the thing where we have bought out of state, where we've bought far away, and we have gone to the car and driven it home. So that's part one, and obviously I did that with the Lotus. But with the Lancer, I did something I'd never done before, and that is I did the entire transaction over my smartphone. I didn't ever personally see the car until it got backed off a truck a quarter mile from my house. And by that point, let's be honest, it's too late. I own
0: this car already. If it's it's terrible, then it's all bad. Yeah. Speaking of too late, Todd is continually bringing up the sunroof issue, which we have determined is an aftermarket sunroof in his rally yard because the US spec cars did not have that option available. You could not check the box. Whereas in Canada, you could. You could option out the sunroof. And He keeps bringing up the sunroof every time we bring up his car because of the concern. Well, here's the thing that happened. Honestly, guys,
1: here's the thing. This this relates directly to this topic Tuesday. I bought the car, and I looked at all of the photos that the guy sent. Of course, all the photos were taken roughly chest height. I looked at the car from all angles, and I never once, in all of the photos... The guy did probably a half dozen photos, just so you know, of the underside. Okay? Close-ups of brakes, close-up of all the underside components. I mean, I had him put them on a lift. I never once looked at the roof of the car in the photos.
0: Although, I will say, you had asked multiple questions of the dealer. They did not inform you about the pipes, the aftermarket exhaust, yes. or the sunroof. I don't think it occurred to them I don't think they to ha- do well, that. Well, they didn't have any idea that it was different on the car, yeah.
2: Yeah, they probably didn't even know. So, when the
1: car got pulled off the truck, my first thought was, it has a sunroof.
2: <laughs> it has and a
1: sunroof. Followed by followed by, that's kind of cool, followed by getting in the car and discovering that it works great. But then quickly digging up and realizing these cars didn't come with a sunroof, which means it's an aftermarket sunroof, which means the person that had it prior to me, honestly, let's be honest, spent some
0: serious money on this car. Yeah, they did. Well, the button was a giveaway because we're looking at the button yeah. in the overhead, you know, the headliner here thinking, that's not part of the original no, Mitsubishi that plastic looks, looks, yeah. design here. And it was... It was kind of the giveaway, but yeah, I, I, I can definitely understand your concern just because the car is going to be parked outside. It's a winter car, yeah. and, you know, just the the runoff, the yeah. snow, all that kind of stuff, but it seems to be robust at this it's, point. We, we don't know.
1: Everything we know about, I know about the sunroof so far, this is a crazy thing, everything I know about the sunroof so far is that it was really well done, and it clearly has survived yeah. Wisconsin yeah. winters. so it's not like it was a Florida car. Yeah, well, but, true. And, yeah.
2: and my initial thought was, you know, it's a Wisconsin car. Canada's right there. So maybe yeah. I, we both thought, well, maybe. Per- perhaps it was Canadian car, but then we looked up pictures to look at what the Switch looked like yeah, on the roof, and it's, it's, not, not, it does does not, it's not the same thing. It does not correspond.
1: This is not a great way to start our buyout of state side of the scene, by the way, because I wound up with a car with Exhaust I and didn't expect and, and uh, Sundra didn't expect. But everything else I did expect... Sure. And we need to talk about how to do this. I mean, I I went through, as I I talked about with the Lancer, I was shopping six different ones all over the nation. I went through two different pre-purchase inspections, one in Missouri and one in Houston. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I did a lot of this, I can't be there, please help me stuff. Sure, sure.
0: This was really your first out-of-state experience. First time I've ever bought really?
1: a car uh, sight unseen out of state. I mean, yeah. the Lotus. I obviously flew back to California, walked around the car, talked to the owner, right. saw what it was, got knew your pre-purchase that inspection back. at a Rolls yeah. Royce dealership. Yes, exactly. Which will be you know, the first
0: and last time you probably ever set foot in a Rolls Royce dealership. I didn't even set foot in there, but I got. Okay, but they took my right. money. They were happy to yeah, take they, my money. <laughs> yeah. They they do that well. Well, I'll back up and start with my nine twenty eight experience, and this has been <clears throat> a while back. And I had asked my dad, you know, for advice, because the seller worked for Kivit Construction, which is a huge construction firm in the Midwest, they're really big, and his opinion was, hey, this guy works for a large construction firm, he can probably be, you know, trusted, and that's really what I'm getting at, is first of all, establishing a relationship with the seller. You know, you're going through all the reasons that you would if the car were local. Why are you selling it? What's going on with the car? What's your story? Just because you're remote, does not necessarily mean that you know it's a no go and i will say that having friends nearby friends love to help out and <laughs> you know go check out a car for you if somebody asked hey would you go check out a car in the next city well of course now i've got an excuse to go drive over there and drive a car and you know you're really on behalf of of your friend which is what a ppi is all about yeah, and yeah. actually i think Owners out of state are more than willing to do that because they know you're serious about the purchase, you're willing to to spend money, and they're happy to help out. Uh, That's been my experience. I think that's been all of our experiences. Owners do not think, ooh, you know, I have to go put forth more effort or time to Mm -hmm. do this. No, they're willing to help out because they... Generally speaking, they know at that point you're an enthusiast and it's going to go to a good home and Hopefully. you're doing your due diligence at that point and they're happy to, to help out. I don't think they're trying to hide anything at that point point. and if you choose through recommendations either through car forums or from the research that you find, you choose where you want them to take that car. You're not letting this seller choose for you because no, that could that. introduce some bias or yeah, you know yeah, possible yeah. problems but say, you know what, would you mind taking it to this shop Here's whom I spoke to. Mm-hmm. They have a, an uninterested third party at that point to go yeah, over agreed. your car. They're just happy to take your money, your 60 bucks, your 100 bucks to go over the car. Yeah, They'll tell it to you straight. And then you don't have to share those results with the seller. Yeah. You're not obligated to. You're no, paying for
1: it. You certainly can. And I did in the case of the Lancer, but you certainly don't have to. What I did in the case of the, the Lotus is I had a private owner who uh, who was living in uh, Orange County, and I looked up where where's a actual Lotus service location near him. Essentially, you can probably go any seller; you can probably do uh, anywhere in their zip code. And I found this Rolls Royce dealer that had a Lotus a Lotus <laughs> so tech on staff. So that was a that was far more involved per- pre-purchase inspection than you would normally do. But literally, that owner he drove it to this dealer in the morning and did I think uh, like an Uber home. Mm-hmm. and I called him sure. when it was done and he went back and got it and I paid the <coughs> $350 for that pre-purchase inspection. Was it inspection. that much? Oh yeah, it was. Granted, it was uh, like I've told you, it's like a, it's like a ten page. Here's all the RPMs over the lifespan of the engine. I mean, it's involved. Okay, clearly um, I'm off because but,
0: what I've paid in the past is sixty bucks, hundred no, 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 bucks, no, no, somewhere no, in there. You're
1: correct for a normal pre-purchase inspection. Because now let's jump to the Lancer. I had one in Missouri that I was looking at, and one in Houston I was looking at.
0: That's right. That's and I right.
1: called. Essentially, I found out the zip code of both of those places, and they were and these and these were both. This was not uh, private owner. These were both. Uh, the kind of like corner dealers you find, where they everything on their lot they clearly picked up at auction, and they probably don't have any idea of the history of the cars. I've got the Carfax in front of me, true, true. and they don't really know what they the have. Small uh, dealers the, like that, yeah, yeah. totally. The mom and pop. We've got twenty cars on the lot. They were both at those kind of places. Make which a I was quick already look. totally. I was already at the yeah. kind of place where it was like. I'm gonna get these checked because what's wrong with this car? I mean, that was kind of my headspace going in. Which is very
0: different than the dealership where it, a car has been traded in. Yes, and by the owner. Yeah. You know, yes, the dealership is looking to make money off the sale of that car too, and of, of course, the margin on used cars is way, you know, far much more much better, much better. Yeah. Far more juicy for the dealership, but they're wanting your service yeah. unless they're a GM dealer selling a Mitsubishi. There is that. We'll I, get back to that. yes, do, for sure. Do you know anything I have no about that? No idea about that. Yeah. Hmm. But but the so with the Lancer. In both
1: cases, I called a mechanic, and in some cases, in, in Houston, I called three or four to try to get somebody to finally respond, but I called a mechanic within the zip code of where the car was located and said, I have, here's my name, I have the following car. I have this is,
0: weird car that I have, you've yeah, probably never heard this of. This <laughs> car's coming
1: in to you, brought in by you know this this uh, uh, car dealer. They're going to come in. I need a pre-purchase inspection. I will pay for it. Please give me the results. And both of them were like, sure, no problem. One of them charged me, if, if memory serves Missouri charged me uh, sixty-five, and the Houston place charged me forty-five.
0: Okay, so that is in line with what absolutely. I, was thinking. I would
1: say seventy-five and below is typical for your your corner car dealer that does this. It's
0: because they're yeah. not doing service; they're just taking no. a flashlight and they're poking and prodding and looking around for leaks and, you know, putting their fingers on the car. Yeah, and they're, looking they're around. pulling the wheels
1: off and looking at the brakes. Yeah. They're you know putting up on a lift
0: point inspection type stuff.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, right, so it's right. it's straightforward kind of standardized stuff. Theoretically, they're going to drive it around the block. I will say in the case of the Lancer, there was one curiosity created in my mind when I got the second one done. Because I realized, wait a minute, this is a dual-clutch transmission. So it doesn't oh, feel yeah. like a normal automatic. It just doesn't. Speaking it doesn't at all. feel,
0: you got some feedback from people who had driven the car saying huh, this seems to be shifting strangely, exactly. but they're not used to a very high-strung DCT, essentially. well, They're, they're not yeah. used to the feel of that car. The, Combine the no turbo, no turbo. There's the turbo. Yeah. The car's not woken up yet. <laughs> yeah. the that second, was interesting the to me. The
1: second pre-purchase inspection, the the way they, they talked to me about the transmission and the engine response, honestly, it was sixes. It could have been... There's a problem with this specific car. It could have been... This person's never driven this kind of car with a DCT before. Yeah. Because they're yeah. talking about it shift it's shifting hard, and or, or or sluggishly, and and that's the thing. This dual clutch. Think about any dual clutch you've driven. If you've driven one, sometimes they're perfect. Sometimes they drag a shift because they're trying to
0: approximate an automatic. Right. But it, if a it, normal automatic acts that way, it's broken. Yeah. Right. Right. And it depends on how it's driven. A lot of cars are they respond to your driving style for that. The time that the car is on right now. So if you're hammering on it, you're, you know, doing the sporty mountain driving, canyon driving kind of thing, well the shift points are changing because it's learning your driving style right then and there. Sometimes. Yeah. But if you're just cruising around, easing into the throttle off the stoplight, it's gonna operate in the most economical way possible. Yeah. So it's not giving you the well why isn't this car woken up yet? Yeah. Come on. So the, if the
2: fluids aren't warm, it could be jittery. Fluids aren't warm. Not Correct. True. Correct. Luckily, it wasn't super
1: cold either place, but you're right, that can absolutely be a factor. So with the Lancer, I'm creating an extra little I don't know variable, but because both of these were total corner lot car places that had bought a car at auction, in one case, one of the cars hadn't been registered in 18 months. And also the fact that the Lancer, and this is where research is your friend, I knew oh, yeah. going in oh, yeah. that the Lancer transmission can be finicky. It needs to be serviced properly and it can be finicky. So, people have generally said if this if the transmission is not shifting well, it needs a service and possibly you need to run away. So, when these folks were saying knowing the I mean, cuz also these cars needed brakes, they needed fluids. I mean, both of the cars that I had checked needed all that kind of normal maintenance stuff. So, that combined with them saying I'm not sure about this transmission made me go, okay, not the car for me. Mm-hmm. And that, conversely, look at it with this dealer. The one that I bought sure, came sure. into a dealer by a private owner who clearly, with things like the exhaust and the sunroof, had put money into this car. This was their car. It was the lowest mileage one I had looked at at 70,000
0: miles. But this was not the one-owner car. That was no, Houston? No, no, no. That was Houston with 140,000 miles on it at an auction block Which, if that's the case, guys, and, you know... It comes with all the service records. You have a far better feeling in your heart about, Of course. Oh, yeah. this owner is taking care of it. He's probably taken it to that dealership for service or that independent re- repair shop. And you've got a stack of service records. That matters so much. Yeah.
1: Well, the, the, the one that was low miles, but one owner, or pardon me, high miles, but one owner in Houston, they'd picked it up at auction. So I don't think it was traveling with the okay. records. If it had okay. been from that private owner, maybe. But the one that I got in Wisconsin, the reason I went for that one, Multiple reasons, but it was the lowest mileage one I found. But it had just been traded in by the current owner, okay. who clearly had taken care of it and put money into it. So it was a car they drove into the dealer. My sunroof broken. <laughs> I guess I'll trade it in. Exactly. And they yeah. sunroof leaking. Don't don't tell anybody. So anyway, <laughs> so they they drove it in. <laughs> I fun. have to poke fun. Yes, of course it, it will do. never it's end. It's appropriate, of course. It will. Yeah. And if that sunroof starts leaking, we will all collectively laugh on the <laughs> podcast. It, Terrified of that.
0: Well, well, oh, that.
2: I had the, the Fox Body Mustang. I had. I was telling you guys the other day, actually, because this got brought up, I bought it as a a donor car for my Mustang, the 67, yeah. and it had a sunroof, it was a factory sunroof, but this car, all the seals were bad, I mean, nothing, it it was a piece of crap, is what it was, but uh, when it would rain, it would all collect around the the seal of the sunroof, (laughs) and the headliner at the sunroof was kind of sagging a little bit. So when oh, it would no. rain, it would all puddle right there. And then depending on which way your next turn was, was whose lap all the water would end up on. Imagine
0: how much I like this <laughs> and story. so the yeah. first <laughs>
2: time I did that, uh, it was kind of frightening. And you're just like, well, that just happened. Yeah. <laughs> so a hard left turn,
0: all the water ends up on the right side of the car. Yeah, and yeah, and, and, the and, and then your wife lap. does not like you. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about all this, guys, all three of my fun cars in my I know. life I know. have been bought out of state. I've... I know. Well, I haven't shipped them all. The 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 first came and we wow. drove back, but the your 928 and the your current GTS, you saw them for the first time when they pulled them off a truck. Maybe it's a trend, but <coughs> you know, you're looking for a specific car and you're open. That's that's the biggest thing that, you know, that the takeaway here is that you know, you're looking for that right car. You're mm-hmm. not just looking for you know, sometimes our recommendations. There's something you can find locally, but what about that special car? And you found it. Yeah. Should you be afraid of this sight unseen thing? Are there horror stories? Yes, there are. I'm sure there are. But honestly, between the three of us, which with as much experience as we've had with this, we haven't run into that yet. Because yeah. you've got to take the steps, go through it. And I'm thinking about that first nine eight seven Cayman that I had. Mm-hmm. It was being sold by a guy in Oklahoma and the reason he was selling was because he was having his fifth child Yeah, and he had bought a new house and they needed a bigger car and a discovery or a minivan or something like that. And so his wife had finally determined it was time to get rid of the car and that's why he was selling it. And he had all the paperwork and he had just driven it. He hadn't been on the maintenance and I wished he would have changed the oil earlier, but he read in the owner's manual hey, 20,000 miles between oil changes I guess I'll follow that. So he wasn't wrong, but he wasn't the porsche file that I sure. wanted him yeah, to be. Sure. But ultimately, the car was fine. It, was awesome. it ran it fine. Yeah. So Todd and I flew to Oklahoma, drove the car back over two days. Mm-hmm. I will say driving through New Mexico was glorious. It was fast. and Mexico was great. Yeah. Exercising yeah. the car properly, yeah. we'll just say. But uh, it, was, it was a good experience. And you will also have to determine... The state that you buy from, Arizona is a perfect example, and Chance, you can talk to this. I was not allowed to drive the car out of Arizona because they required me to pay tax, title, and license if I picked up the car. That's why they suggested, why don't you go ahead and ship it, pay the money, have it shipped out of state. Oh, for your GTS. yeah, For the GTS. That way, you know, the states aren't double dipping because I would have to yeah. re-register it in Utah after paying... However much in in Arizona right now, and that's a state law. So therefore, you know, check the state. I, I don't know the the regulations for everything, but the dealership can certainly tell you what that's all about. But they said no, do not come here and drive at home because I'm thinking, great road trip home from Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Do not do that at least at least with Arizona.
2: I, I hadn't heard that, but that makes total sense because I mean, you don't want to. Go buy the car have to pay taxes, sales tax there. And then you go yeah, register the car no. at home, yeah. and they want the sales tax too. And you're like, wait, I already paid. Yeah, it's all
0: bad. I already paid that. I, I paid, but now it's I got to yeah. re-register it in the state I live in. So that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm realizing that all three cars have been this way. I know. I can't believe it. And, and, Maybe it's a trend now. have got to keep of, going.
1: And two of the three you didn't see till they pulled up in your driveway, which is crazy to me. The 928 and the GTS. Yeah. The middle came and you did at least see halfway across the country. But the other Amazing. thing, the twist for me with this Lancer that I bought was obviously ingested at a dealer. It was traded in directly at that dealer. Right, right. I caught them before they even had photos posted that they had it. But all the cars they get traded in, they put through their specific, we're going to resell this inspection, which in some cases was more involved than your typical pre-purchase inspection. And they did an oil change right away. Right, right. So I caught them at the end of all of that. And I said, I want all that paperwork, which they g- gladly sent me. I could see, and I also said, I want you to put it up on a lift and take photos of the underside specifically. And I, and I said to the guy, I said, look, it's a car that's been living in Wisconsin, all right? I'm not expecting it to be a pristine underside, but I want to see the underside so I don't at know what I'm dealing with. At least see it. Exactly. Exactly. And to my great surprise, it looked
0: fantastic. Honestly, for what for a seventy thousand mile car, they the underside looks yeah. great. Didn't notice this giant exhaust with the blued tips, and really, you didn't notice that and think, <laughs> I I don't think that's stock. Uh, so really? anyway,
1: so there's that. I didn't I didn't think about it either. I was looking I was looking for <laughs> rust and problems, but anyway, so yeah, not the best in my regard. But um, so there's. But I got tons of photos. and Any question I asked this guy, he ran right out and got me a photo of it. Or I said, what about this? And he went out. Which and, was pretty cool. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's the other reason I started to feel confident about what I was getting is because he was very responsive mm-hmm. and very clear. And I would say, I need this information. And he would go find it. And so it quickly became a car that I wanted. I put down a deposit for them. Uh, and that was going to be my down payment deposit. And then I tried to figure out how I was going to finance the rest, Financed a little bit of it, not much. Yeah. I was going to finance it there, and this is where local regulations are interesting. I was going to finance it there, but if I'd financed it with the dealer, Wisconsin would be keeping the title. Oh, oh even even yeah. if you refinance later. If or? I refinanced, that would have been a whole other thing. Well, if I if they, refinanced Utah; uh, they would have shipped it, of course. But if title, I right? but if I shipped but if I financed it with this dealer in Wisconsin right. and their banks. Wisconsin would have kept the title, which would have made registering it in Utah quite a bit more difficult. Yeah. Until I had yeah. obviously gone to another bank. So I just went to my local bank, the same credit union we talked about that before. Credit unions are a lot more flexible a lot of times. Use the same credit union I've used before, so of course that got it all Utah paid for, and that'll allow him title and registration and all that kind of stuff once it in Utah. And then I called shipping companies. You've heard me <laughs> yeah. joke about this.
0: Yeah. First has it off, stopped yet? Has it stopped?
1: It has stopped. Okay. Because I'm off the board now Here's okay, the thing to know right. These are all things I learned Once you call a shipping company They all know It's blood in the water, folks So, <laughs> so, so you, get, you wind they up with your, your car money. on the board and its location And they're all, all the, Most people you're hearing about online They're all dispatchers They aren't truck owners Most of them are just dispatchers right, There's right. a few that are both But most are just dispatchers They're all looking at the same Whatever this online information is And they can see my car on the board <laughs> So they're all descending <laughs> I'm getting texts and emails and wow. unsolicited phone calls from all over the place. Wow. Many of them from Florida, interestingly enough. I don't know why wow. all dispatchers moved to Florida, but they moved to Florida. So a lot of them from hey, there. Wow. I had a company originally. Okay. They were not, just there were a couple of things about them, plus online reviews. I was like, I, I don't know about this company. So I went with Ironclad, Ironclad Transport. I'm actually going to call her out. Joanna was awesome. I'm giving her a shout out.
0: Very nice. And I would
1: happily pass on that info. But she the was name just the a gives you a good feeling in your heart yeah,
0: ironclad that must mean they're gonna be the best because they're here, ironclad but what what was here's what was Come funny on. here's what was
1: funny about her. this is cle- she's her an older woman who's retired to Florida, and this is her gig now. <laughs> but she's all about it. She's all about it. She's from like back east somewhere. She has that like New Jersey
0: attitude. Oh, of a little but she's all about it. It was of janky, you know, we busted wheel transport kind of company she but
1: she was was awesome. so so was was she was and she was right Front. she said look let me tell you how this works I don't have a single truck I have no idea what truck is going to get your car but I'm a dispatcher and I know truckers so let me get work on this for you and she was Very great cool. and Very cool. as I mentioned when it finally got on a truck to much to my <laughs> surprise I paid for open transport you can get open or closed but the guy that picked it up was looking for cars in Wisconsin and he had a really nice closed transport you've seen the video on uh, on Facebook really nice closed transport showed, yeah. showed up in a closed transport looked great
0: and you never know because they no, might of pick up you a different know. trailer, Absolutely. and suddenly Absolutely. it's yep. closed. Which is actually you pay something closed more for. Closed if you want it closed for sure, you cost, it costs more money. There's yeah. a tiny second part to this uh, this topic here, and that is enthusiast cars versus I will say the normal, the regular cars. Right, enthusiast cars being very much more cared for, protected. You know, if, if it's enthusiast to enthusiast with a special car, like, ooh, it's an S2000 mm, or, mm. you know, any of our greatest hits kind of cars or even something more expensive like Porsches or, you know, whatever that is, or it's a special edition and you're buying it from an enthusiast, good news. That is highly recommended. Yeah. Even th- yeah, and yeah. people now, yeah. everybody is used to people shipping out of state, buying out of state, transporting. It almost doesn't matter anymore. It's the same thing about, you know, the area code on your phone number. It almost doesn't matter keeping it. Yeah. You just live yeah. wherever because yeah. who cares anymore?
2: No, I, I would say if you're if you're trying to ship like a Camry or something, they might look at you funny. Because, but if you're if it's a Porsche or a Ferrari code or code, you know an but, S two thousand or something yeah. like that, then it's like yeah, okay, I get it. And also, when you are calling these people. It's, it's important to be up front with them and say, hey, look, I'm calling from Utah or I'm calling uh-huh. from whatever state you're in. Full disclosure. And just yeah. say, hey, and that lets them know that you're serious about this car and you've done your research. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. the one you've narrowed down to go look at.
0: Which, a note about research, and that is there's every chance if you're buying a car like you did, the Mitsubishi, mm-hmm. that you will know more than the salesperson yeah. about this car. Yes. You will have yeah. researched yes. it endlessly and you have pinpointed that car because you know you've, yeah. you've looked at the history, you've looked at everything. There's every chance you're going to know more, and so be specific, like like you were, and say, "Look at this part of the engine, or you know, the, yeah. the dual clutch transmission on these cars is you know needs yeah. care and feeding more than most." So yeah. tell yeah. me about the maintenance on that, and they will if they're good, like your yeah, guy they was. It, yeah. They will, but you know, otherwise, enthusiast cars, they might. You know, tell you all kinds of stuff you didn't know, and hey, this was a special thing, and it's got this transmission, yeah. and you know, it's very different than your your average car.
2: Yeah, when I was looking at Caymans, I had actually found one in Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. and uh, I called the dealer, told him, hey, like I found, saw your ad, I've been looking at these for a while, and what can you tell me about this car? It had a, had a bunch of miles on it, it was pretty low priced, and the guy's like, yeah, I don't, I'll be up front with you. It's got a pretty severe oil leak. And I was like, well, thank you for telling me. I'm yeah, not gonna... And he yeah. he told me that without me even having an inspection done. He, yeah. he just knew and was like, I'll be up front with you. I don't want you to fly out here to look at that.
0: Although for any potential customers, near or far, you'd think he'd fix the leak if he wants to sell the yeah. car. Yeah. Am I and crazy? That's kind of what
2: I told him. I was like, well, you, if you want to fix that, I'll come get the car. But if, you, yeah. if you're just going to sell yeah, yeah. it as is, then I, I'm not yeah. going to touch that. I mean, sure. as for is, sure.
0: you can grind on price, but then on the other hand, you don't know what else is lurking in <laughs> yeah. Need. Yeah. You don't know so what else like, I'm is the oil leak walking. indicative of yeah. something major, or is it just a seal, the oil yeah. pan seal, or yeah. something? Who knows? And,
2: and don't be afraid to walk away. I mean, yeah, you've spent the sixty bucks, two hundred bucks, three fifty, oh, yeah, yeah. whatever it is, yeah, yeah. but
0: that will have saved you three grand down the road. Well, that's it. And yeah. you know, new cars you have that choice, but used cars too, yeah. you have the option of walking away because you found six of these niche cars, yeah. these rally arts, yeah. and, and all over the country. That's still, in my opinion. Fair amount for sale. Yeah, fair amount to choose uh, from.
1: There were options, but here's the thing keep in mind I did pre purchase inspections on two of the six, I threw out two more of the six just by looking at the Carfax. When, nope, that one's out. Right. Nope, that right. one's out. Yeah. I mean that that that's obviously step one. Spend the money on the Carfax,
0: and you might have to spend a little more. I'm I'm hearing you. Have, I mean, I I, you or, you I spent like the, down a little bit more. I spent
1: like the hundred bucks or whatever it was to get six or eight. I forget how many it was Carfax mm-hmm. reports within a month's time, and I and I, when I saw one of these, I went, "Okay, well, what's the Carfax?" And there were a couple of them. I was like, that didn't go any further. And then I spent <laughs> forty five dollars on one pre-purchase inspection, sixty five on another. And because of knowing the nature of those cars, went, OK. And, and I was very candid with the people when I got back to them. I was like, I'm not buying your car. And here's what yeah. I've been told. And one of the guys was like, I understand. The other guy fought me a bit. He's like, well, I think you know maybe they don't understand this transmission. And I said, you may be right. But I'm not buying a car sight unseen and shipping it across the country because the person who did the pre purchase inspection may not understand the transmission. I'm not doing that. Yeah, Yeah, you want to find that
0: expert. Even if it means going to a Rolls-Royce dealership
1: to find your Lotus expert. But the nice thing is, you know, this Lancer that I've got, in spite of the sunroof jokes, uh, it actually drives great. It drives like I expected it to. And I knew, you know, getting into having driven the Evos and that kind of stuff, it drives like I expected it to. And any of the, if you will, the oddities that you would have with a dual-clutch transmission, that's exactly how it feels. It doesn't feel like... This isn't right. Yeah. And the other thing I'm doing, it's happening, actually, while we're out of town, it's happening, I'm doing all those fluids, transmission, differentials, all of that stuff, I'm doing it right now. I don't know when it's been done. With 70,000 miles, hopefully it's been done. But I don't care if it was done last week. I'm doing it
0: now so that I know that I can start at ground zero. You're starting the maintenance records for yourself. And I have that thing, too. You know, you buy a car and it's just, you know what, just change the oil. I'm resetting the meter. Even if it was just done recently, Mm -hmm. you're resetting it for yourself. It can only mean good things, even though it's a bit of extra cost. I like to do that so I start with my own records. I'm starting from scratch. Doesn't matter when it was done, you know but I I start over kind of thing.
2: And even if the previous owner didn't keep records, if you start keeping records of, say, you own the car for four years, well, you've got four years of service records to go to the next guy that says, look, in the last four years, this is what all I've done to it. And
0: you would have thought by, you know, in that four-year time or however long, you would have found any potential problems and corrected them and created new service records at that point. Hopefully, yeah. yeah, Yeah. yeah. So therefore, it makes the next owner feel, you know, that warm feeling in their heart, you know. Well, (laughs) and I
1: think about how much I've dialed the Lotus in and owning it for a year. And it's interesting how when you just start picking away at things now that you own the car, you can really bring it up to the spec that you like. So, guys, we're not intending this to be definitive. This is very much experiential. The three of us that have all done this a little Mm -hmm. bit, I, who just did it a week ago, uh, we're talking about (laughs) that. But we're welcoming questions. We're also welcoming if you have your revisions or your things that you've, you've done that you think you have to remember this, we welcome that stuff as well.
0: We hope this is helpful. Absolutely. Guys, we're going to take a short break, and we're coming right back.
1: I'm here to talk about Amsoil. Why Amsoil? Because they're a
0: bunch of car people. They're gearheads. They're into all kinds of power sports. They just get cars and vehicles. The Amsoil folks have created a guide to increasing horsepower in your vehicle. It's got insider tips from some of the best in the business on coaxing a lot more power out of your engine. Get a free copy of this horsepower guide at amsoil.com driver. When you're there, you can find out more about Amsoil synthetic motor oil too. You know, like how Amsoil Signature Series Synthetic Motor Oil delivers 75% more engine protection against horsepower loss and wear than required by a leading industry standard. Go to amsoil.com driver now to get your free insider's guide to increasing horsepower. Everybody's got a to-do list. You know, drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that list. And the good thing is, you don't have to drop off or pick up anything.
1: All you do is go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% on your car insurance, or maybe even more. Got extra money in your pocket? This just may be the most rewarding thing you do today. You can find a lot of weird and surprising things in cars. I mean, some people have, I don't know, petrified french fries or melted crayons. But one thing that shouldn't surprise you are
0: continental belts. I'll bet you didn't know. They're original equipment in tens of millions of FCA, Ford, and GM vehicles that roll off the assembly line. They're also original equipment on the majority of BMWs and Volkswagens. Now Continental is launching an aftermarket line of the Multi V-Belt. It's their original equipment technology series. And Continental has an OE Technology Series Multi V-Belt for 98% of the vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. Hey, you get enough surprises working on cars and trucks already. A belt shouldn't be one of them. So go with the
1: Continental OE Technology Series Multi V-Belt. It's the belt with original equipment pedigree. You can get the full story by visiting OETechnologySeries.com.
3: I can't believe it.
0: That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody.
3: No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico.
0: Who
1: are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, GEICO could save you 15% or more on car insurance. We're back with Casey in Indiana writing to us. How are you, man? Thanks for listening. And we've, uh, we've actually seen some of your videos. You do a Carguments YouTube channel, and you do some, some of that stuff as well, a small yeah, podcast. Cool. So cool. we're glad to have you write in. Thank you. You were writing in and going, OK, all right, two small kids to think about. I currently drive a 2006 Acura RSX Type S, which is a cool car, but you've decided it's time for something new, and I want rear wheel drive. But the twist is, two kids and seven grand.
0: This is going to be tough. So Casey's a 34-year-old car enthusiast. He's owned a plethora of cheap, fun cars. He said Honda's mostly front-wheel drive. He had a 1983 Celica Supra and still misses that car. Cool cars. Yeah, they are. Yeah, we're not surprised. We really like that one. All right, so he's got a strong desire to get into rear-wheel drive, as Todd mentioned. But he's got to sell the RSX to buy a different car, and all in is seven thousand dollars. Yeah, I did not see anywhere on this email where he offered me a Paul Liver. He, he didn't give he, you a free pass he at did all. Not. We're, we're, we're
1: operating with roughly seven grand. Yeah.
0: Well, he's uh, been led to a mid '90s Cobra Mustang, which chance I think you can really speak to here and offer some thoughts on that, or yeah. a G35, mm-hmm. which have come down in price. So two different kinds of of cars here. So you got a two door or four door. You're considering, but he's got to have rear seats that can accommodate two small children. Mm-hmm. And he's out in Indiana. He said winters are a reality, but he's never put the car off the road in a ditch, anything like that, while he's driving. There's no
2: restrictions on rear wheel
1: drive got, because uh, of that, for sure. Right.
0: He's been on all seasons. He
2: did say he will not consider an RX8. That's his, yes. his he hard He did stop. mention
1: that.
0: He did mention that. All right. Which
1: actually, hang on, I'm going to call Chance out real quick because <laughs> uh, when we started this podcast, but Chance was like, "I think I have an answer for this," and then he reread the email and went, "Oh." wait.
2: Um, <laughs> and I
1: said, did you think of the RX-8? he said, I did actually think of the RX-8. No, and no as did it was, I." It was, it was the Mustang. You wanted to talk about the Mustang, the Mustang too. Mustang. I had thought of the RX-8 initially and read Casey's email and went, okay, that's gone. So we're not going to go that route. Apparently talk too many horror about- <laughs> stories about Apex seals and the RX-8. Yeah, all kinds of issues. Yeah. Uh, so talk about that 90s Cobra Mustang.
2: So there's a whole bunch of different ways you can go with them. I don't know if you can get them for seven grand, but I do know like the earlier like 99 Cobras you could probably get for around that. They're independent rear suspension actually. Which is nice. Which is nice. They're three hundred ish horsepower. I don't know exactly what they are. They uh, they'd, they'd be a good yeah. good purchase. Um but yeah, the earlier than that they weren't as powerful. You can probably get the earlier cobras even cheaper. But they were they weren't uh, independent rear suspension or anything like yeah, that. It was those they late were 90s just more power there, yeah. and some minor suspension tweaks, brakes, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh,
1: Unfortunately, the people that I know of that have bought those cars and sought them out because of the independent rear that found it you won't believe the deal I got followed with you won't believe the stuff I had to spend yeah, right after yeah. that <laughs> so that's the concern I have for you there, casey is you may you you probably could find a nice one for seven grand i'm just concerned with what that seven thousand dollar one needs
2: you can okay, find okay. like o five o six so the, the first retro redesigned cars okay you can find the g t s for a seven to nine grand. Okay. They'll have miles on them, but you can find those.
0: Sure, but they're easy to wrench on. Easy-ish. Yeah. I mean, for somebody like you, you're no big deal. It's just <laughs> Friday night. Well, like, oh, look, the engine's out. How did that happen? <laughs> Oops, yeah. Casey, I have a car for you, and okay. we have not shared our choices before we started the podcast, okay. so I'm I'm eager to hear what these guys have brought, but I think I found the car that is It's going to fit everything you need. I mean... Space for the kids, it's rear-wheel drive, you can get it in a five-speed manual if you so choose. Okay. Go look at the 98 to 2005 Lexus IS 300. I found oh, multiple yeah. examples, okay. and I even found, I'm showing these guys a picture right now of the Lexus IS Sportcross, yes. which was as niche of a vehicle as your rally art. You're right, you're right. If you can find one of these, you've got a hatchy rear-wheel drive, Nobody makes these anymore. Yeah, you're it's right. Powerful. That's good. That's so good. the hatches that the hatches come up before on the
1: podcast because it is hyper niche and it's hyper. very cool. The 300s in general that that generation rear wheel drive car is a surprisingly good car. It's got a, a descendant of the super engine under the hood, a which is JZ, cool. Yep, without which a turbo. is awesome.
0: And uh, and yeah, you can get them in a manual. I mean, that's a great car. I'm looking at one here online for sale. It's an 03 Lexus IS 300. Only 91,000 miles for bang on 7000 miles. Wow, that's actually pretty in spite wow. of being silver. Now, uh, yeah. <laughs> most of these cars, Casey, most of these cars have one hundred and fifty to 200,000 miles. Yeah. On the other hand, what does that tell you? It tells you they're going to run. It's got that three liter. It's yeah. Toyota. Yeah. But it still seems to be the recipe that is right in the enthusiast yeah. category, front engine, inline six. You can do the automatic. You can do the yeah. manual transmission. You've got the choice. And if you look hard, and like the one I just found, only ninety-one thousand miles. And if you think, well, shoot, I can put you know ten, twelve thousand miles a year, and have have that for eight years before I even hit two hundred thousand miles. Yeah, have, has
1: those cool clock looking gauges, and that's yeah, early, that's yeah. early Lexus where they were killing themselves for those cars to be reliable. Yeah, right. And not that they right. aren't now, but like the first gen Lexus across the board, they were just hell-bent on those cars just running indefinitely. That was the plan. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So
0: I'm looking at this, and I've I've driven one. It's actually been quite a while, but they're tiny. They feel good. They yeah. feel nimble, yeah, yeah. and it's got that rear-wheel drive architecture. Would we love you to have something newer? Sure, but on the other hand, why not go look at these cars? And, and it might be older. You might get an older car than the current RSX that you've got, but yeah. okay, no problem. I mean, that can only help your insurance, I would think. And uh, I would suggest go looking at these. I think they're going to be right kind of in the sweet spot. And as as I've been doing digging here, I don't know who makes this car in a modern form. As small,
1: Mm -hmm. rear-wheel
0: drive, functional, especially the wagon version of it, it seems to be kind of the last of a breed, honestly. Certainly of that
1: scale. I mean, if you think about more recently than that, you think about the 3 Series wagons, which are cool, mm-hmm, and depending upon how old you go, you might get one of those for seven grand. but I would be much more concerned about the maintenance on that 3 Series wagon
0: than the Lexus, and the truth is, the 3 Series wagon is bigger than the Lexus. It's bigger, and here we're all wondering, is BMW going to ditch the manual transmission? Because whenever somebody writes and says, hey, sports sedan, hey, I need a manual transmission, guess what we default to? Mazda, Toyota, BMW. Yeah. And if BMW is going away, well, we don't know. No, but it's yeah. just striking fear into the heart of enthusiasts everywhere. I like it's not a good thing. I like the yeah. recommendation, Paul. It's a really good one. I did not go there. I have one
1: for you as well, Casey, that I don't think you've thought about. You mentioned in here wanting some decent power, and one of your concerns with the RX-8 was not only maintenance, but just you wish you had more power. We have to worry about those kids in the back. Yeah. You know what you can get? Rear-wheel drive, good dynamics, kids in the back, power. Get yourself the mid early two thousands Pontiac GTO. Seven grand Ooh. gets that car done. That's oh true. yeah, okay. good ones for seven Four, grand. Four hundred horsepower, six speed. It's a Corvette running gear. Okay, good one. But you've got good rear one. actual decent sized rear seats. It's an LS. Yeah, you need it yeah. worked on. You get it worked on. It's Indiana. Let's get it done. Okay, that's you know, it's true. Not, and it's going to have plenty of power. It is not a notice-me-look-at-me car, but they've got really good dynamics. One of my favorite actual Top Gear episodes a long while back was when they was when Richard Hammond drove the Murano. Oh, sure. Which was the Vauxhall equivalent. It's yeah. the same <laughs> car. And the whole <laughs> joke Why? the entire episode was, you want to drift? This car will drift. That's a <laughs> yeah, yeah. really good handling dynamics, really good <laughs> balance, it. in spite of being kind of a big car. I mean, it actually is a large car compared to the IS you talking it is. about. It is. It is. But it's, it's a power. very cool car. Yeah a little bit under the radar. And those, for your budget, a good one is
0: out there for sure. I mean, check with insurance companies and see what suits you. I mean, yeah, if we're talking a $7,000 car, is something going to need maintenance? Sure, it doesn't matter what you buy. But insurance could be a factor. But it might be moot at this point. You know, you're going old enough and... You know, you're, and I'm not worried about the reliability fly. of that
1: GTO. Oh, everything no. I've ever heard about them, it's yeah, just no. it's Chevy parts. I mean, a little bit. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if your insurance "quote unquote" costs for that car will be because there aren't a ton of body panels, not because of anything else. All the running gear is just like, oh, Chevy parts bin. Let's go, let's go. Oh, I need one of those. Perfect. <laughs> right, oh. right, right, and
2: It's funny you mentioned the GTO because I I went the uh, the four door version of the GTO. Oh, okay. The, the Pontiac G8. The G8, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. good one. Same engine. Four seats, four doors, yeah, bigger just car, as much power, very it's cool. a very yeah. big car, but still rear wheel drive. Yep. Uh, and then the other car I chose was the, uh, I don't know how big the rear seat actually is, but the Porsche 944.
0: Okay. Yeah. I like that you're throwing drive the throwing board. They are a little they less are, power, yeah, but
2: they're, they're still rear-wheel drive. It's probably it's in line with that Celica Supra. Yeah. Well for the scene. price.
0: You want an enthusiast car for the price. Yeah. Seven to ten grand will get you a really nice nine forty-fours. Yeah, yeah the problem, mean, that's why they're so beloved. Yeah, and and
1: you would love driving that car. You would actually we just drove, okay, a little bit of a teaser. We just drove on our meetup. There was a guy that came in. Jeff came in from Colorado. He yeah. had a nine forty four with an LS in it. <laughs> and what was interesting is He was on our road tour Yeah And during right, the road right. tour For a section of it He had his son I'm pretty sure it was his son About my son's size And age In the back seat Did he? So I for know He had a, yeah, he had a kid In the back seat During okay. portions of the drive So I know it's possible I don't know I mean you're going to have to Think about scale The problem with the cheap 944s And I will be honest Everything we've seen Yes you can get them cheap Yes they are fun to drive hmm
0: yeah. It might
1: need stuff, and the stuff yeah. might be pricey. Yeah. Just, just look at the nine forty four. I really like that idea. Look at the, the nine forty four you're looking at because that's now into small, light, chuckable. That's kind of magical
0: in that regard. By the way, 944s with LS swaps, they scamper. <laughs> <They've>, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a slightly quick moving car. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Wait till, wait till we share just, that. Just think sure. cattle prod, yeah. and they're gone. Yeah. But no, I, I do like your G eight suggestion. There's sort of the. I, cheap version of the ss you want to yeah, show the ss absolutely and they're just the, lower priced
2: yeah, they, The the holding they're based off of is the same car it's yeah just a, exactly well shoot even if you got the v6
0: yeah. fine i think it would still be great yeah. yeah and plenty of space all right casey so you've got some deciding to do here yep. and hopefully that gets you out of the uh the two cars you were thinking about mm-hmm. i mean sometimes it just takes yeah let's just poke around and See what we can come Let's up find with. So. Else.
1: Let us know what, where you wind up, what kind of things you discover as you're shopping. We'd love to hear more about that as well, man. So appreciate it. We're going to move to some social media questions. We pulled some from last, uh, from f- prior postings. We've got a few here. I'm going to start with a Track Daily Crush because those are always fun. Are you really the All Automatics version? Which makes this is what makes <laughs> this hard. Automatic <laughs> okay. versions of the following from Beaver okay. Nuts on Instagram. We've got the third-gen Miata hardtop, the NC MX-5 hardtop. Which I know you like. Yes. I know you like this car. The uh, O2 BMW Z3 Coupe, that's the clown shoe that everybody is much beloved about. Or the O8 Cayman, that's Tiptronic, not PDK.
0: Oh! You did that to me. Paul just saw it coming.
1: So this is Track Daily Crush. Track (laughs) Daily Crush.
2: Um. So I, I'm thinking track the Miata because the, the Miata in that group is the only one that's got real paddle shifters. The Cayman okay. Tiptronic has it's those stupid buttons, buttons the and they're awful the, oh. and just uh, so rude. I, I it's, it's, it's terrible. I think I'm gonna actually crush the Cayman <sighs> and daily the the M Coupe.
0: Daily the Z3. Okay, oh. I like that. That's that's that's, a that's tempting. That's group. a solid choice there. That's a solid decision because. Yeah, the Cayman. It's a Cayman, but but it's been neutered. It's an auto, it's an auto Cayman. It has. It's beyond neutered. Well, but, it, but here's the thing. I'm here's. A, I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna go a different route. I'm really thinking thinking about this. I'm gonna go a different route. I think, I think, I'm actually gonna crush the Miata, which I like. It's a very it's a very middle of the road automatic. It's it's fine. I remember driving one a couple times. It's a very middle of the road automatic. We crush the Miata. I'm actually going to daily the Cayman. If we're talking about it as a daily car, it'll be a nice place to be. It'll have decent dynamics. You're driving in traffic daily the Cayman. Okay. I have that gearbox essentially in my, my wife's Cayenne. And it is, okay. it, is okay. solid, it is a solid It is a six-speed auto. It's not an enthusiast automatic by any means. It's not a PDK. But if you're commuting in it, you're fine. So, so commute in the Cayman. And yeah, track. See how, that, how much that uh, clown shoe can be fun on the, on the track. Really? I don't know about that auto, how, how well it would
0: play. But you know BMW does okay with their autos. So I'm going to try that. All right. And you probably saw this coming. I am the opposite of that. I'm still crushing the Mazda. Okay. And they're the, cool, but goodbye. They're cool, but in this company. <laughs> and the clown shoe has space for hauling stuff. Luggage, airport runs, groceries. It has a surprisingly big hatch. I see that. Lowe's and Home Depot runs, come on. Yeah. I, I'm I'm gonna drive that daily, but a Cayman on a track, come on, even I with see. any transmission I, I will I still take I it. Yeah. I okay. will take it. All right. It's still a Porsche. It can't be that bad. You're going to be, you know, <laughs> it can't, come on. There's your shirt, Porsche. It can't <laughs> no. be that bad. No, that's not what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll,
2: we'll, Excellence we'll, expected, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, more like there is no substitute. Uh-huh. <laughs> you didn't spend your teenage years dreaming about Toyotas and Mitsubishis, did you? Barely, uh, <laughs> I did. Anyway, <laughs> Fairly, yeah. you did. There's uh, a posting from this last round of questions of the Polestar 1 that I wanted to touch on briefly, and that was the messaging about subscription. That This is not shilling for Polestar or Volvo, but it was just an interesting thing that came up when Chance and I went, were in Monterey and talking to the guys about this car, and they said, well, our messaging has been screwed up about this new Polestar brand. It's actually mm. been mis-messaged that this car is all about subscription. And it is, and that's where things are going for Volo and for Polestar. But he said that's not really happening until the full electric... Polestar two and Mm. Polestar Three. Interesting. But for this first car, it's a hundred and fifty-five thousand dollar car. Yeah. And he said, This is an aspirational. You keep this in your family as an heirloom. It's like buying an expensive watch. Wow. And it's it's targeted to be that well built, that long-lasting, even though it is a hybrid, but six hundred horsepower, it's like Volvo built a muscle car that you keep for generations. And that's Mm. how it looks. And so I, I just thought, how often will car companies admit to, well, we're kind of off message and we yeah. screwed up and yeah, we're trying to yeah. trying to fix it. And I just thought, well, that's worth sharing. That's really interesting. Yeah. And they're, they're admitting that and saying, look, the, the first Polestar is this Don't expensive, you buy one? Yeah. You know, we're not making too many and it appeals to only a particular customer. And they're willing to go to that niche of a market to be able to sell this and then further on out as the two and mm-hmm. three come, whatever their architecture yeah. is. Then they will say, all right, subscription model. They'll figure it out as they go. But this first one is, it's jewel like. It really is. And I, it's I, I have
1: to say, my big question about that car is the $155,000 Volvo. It's Isn't that expensive? Well, like the $100,000 and Volkswagen? Yeah, I was just going to
0: say, well, that's why they've carved out a separate brand. Yeah. So it's not the Volvo Polestar. It's yeah. just Polestar. And yeah, it's say, interesting you, for sure.
2: You sit in it, and it is a nice nice place to be the material choices the details it's nice
0: yeah and their construction steel frame carbon fiber everything Uh, they're building these to last clearly and they're going to be quick they're going to be nice luxurious it's a it's a gt car it's a muscle car that they're building for long term pass it down to your kids kind of car interesting which is a different way of thinking than car companies car companies want to sell cars they want to you know have that car for two years and get the next one and Keeps buying mobile. cars from yeah. it. Yeah. That's not their headspace for the Polestar yeah.
2: brand. It, it does have that whole badge perception thing. Normally, we talk about it in reverse, where mm. you get a Porsche, but so you must have spent a ton of money on it. Well, in this case, it's you've got a Volvo, so you should. You, but you spent how on earth was that, that expensive? You, you, yeah, bought yeah, yeah. A, you bought a Lexus, but it was four hundred thousand dollars. LFA, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear things. you. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's it's not always the badge doesn't always uh, meet the the
0: purchase price or the perception or the perception for sure although I I hope it's not (laughs) like Like the the, the, the Passat XL exercise that Volkswagen embarked on. If you don't remember this,
1: I I actually saw this in L.A. once, and I thought it was
0: amazing, where somebody had actually... And this is when the
1: Phaetons, you could buy them new. So this was... was, Oh, uh, really? This is when I saw it. It It was like within a year of the Phaetons being sold. So this car, I mean, it it wasn't like you were buying a cheap Phaeton at the time. You had spent money. But whoever this person was in L.A. that passed me in traffic, they had taken the badging off of the car completely and spent money to get it done right. They had the proper (laughs) Volkswagen badging, and it said Passat XL on the (laughs) rear deck. And I thought that guy I would get along with. He's awesome. (laughs) So anyway, I've got another one here that I think is going to speak directly to Chance. It's really fun. Facebook, Austin Boone writes in, Both the C6-Z06 and the 996-911 Turbo can be bought for about the same money. Ooh, 35 oh. or so K.
0: Okay, Which so. do we think
1: is the better all-around for street use, cost of ownership, depreciation? Which is the better of those two?
0: Mm. All right, so are you, um, you going to throw um, down here? I, would,
2: I think I'd go the C6, Z06.
0: I think I would, the too. The
2: LS7, the 7-liter LS motor, is just, that's one of those seven moment time of kind of engines, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. The car, 500 horsepower when it came out was, it was a supercar killer. Yeah. It was, I mean, it's faster than the 996 turbo stock.
1: It's, it's a ton of performance for the money.
2: Really good car. Nothing, nothing against the 996 turbos, but I'd go Z06 all day on that one.
0: I'm admitting this to you all, but I think the guys are right. I do. As much passion as I have for Porsche, I think the, the Corvette's going to be long-term, probably the better buy. And here's you, you know, owning your 996 and, you know, you've been putting some money to it and upgrades to it, well, but it. honestly, I think the vet is going to be the better long-term thing. It's funny also because
1: I was thinking about this, thinking about the fact that the thing, the first strike against the Corvette is going to be, yeah, but have you seen the interior? Hang on, we're talking 996. <laughs> um, that's right. kind of the worst you're of the right. interiors Of the Porsche lineup on too On the flip side, you say, have you seen
2: the interior of the Corvette? It's like, well it's a Corvette it's, exactly. so You're not expecting much from it But
1: but that's the but that's the first swipe somebody's going to take is that You can't yeah. get the vet no. because the interior is bad But you can't look at the 996 and be like, this is a nice place. No, it's actually not their good interior I mean it's just, it's okay. in yeah. the interior world of Porsche It's kind of like, oh, okay So they can't win there I will say <laughs> this, I will say this I expect <laughs> if you get that Z06 You're going to want to upgrade the seats Yeah, the 996 is going to beat it in seats. Agreed, but that hatch is enormous, and so is the engine. It's impressive. And the parts are going to be cheap. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. From an ownership standpoint, I'm actually
1: surprised we agreed on that, but it's interesting. I'm,
0: I, honestly, I think you guys are right. From a, like I said, long term perspective.
2: Uh, Oliver on Facebook about a week ago asked about getting custom wheels on his car. Is it better to stay with the stock size Mm. or to go bigger?
0: You're kind of going through this on your 996, aren't
2: you? That's why why I'm bringing this up. So on my 996, I bought it. It had 19-inch wheels on it. The size looked fine. The mm-hmm. style, on the other hand, was very polarizing.
1: <laughs> that was a very nice way to put so, that. Delicate. Well done. <laughs> Good. Tiptoeing get, around, are I'd,
2: we? I'd show people the car, and they're like, oh, I like the wheels. And then I'd show someone else the car, like, when are you going to pull those off? Yeah. Because some yeah, people yeah. love them, You're some people hate them. Right. They're very right. of the period, yeah. and they're yeah. to taste. But uh, these particular wheels, and on that car, uh, I mean, the bigger the wheel you go, the more harsh the ride can get. Completely. Because you get less sidewall in your tire. Completely. And so you feel the bumps more. I'm on kind of a racy coilover on the car now, so I yep. felt them even more. I'm sure, yeah. And uh, I recently bought some uh, 18-inch OEM wheels for, a, for the same generation of car from our friend Dale that were up here with Lemons. Yeah. And uh, put those on, put different tires on, and it transformed the car in more ways than one. Not just because I got more grip from the different tires, but it's a lot more of a supple ride too mm. because it have got that extra little bit of give in the tires. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in the Mustang, uh, that car originally had 14-inch wheels. I've got 12.5-inch brake rotors on the front that you need 17 inch wheels for and with 14 inch wheels you don't really have a lot of tire options there are almost none yeah so there's kind of a give and take and 17s on that car are about as big as you really want to go and still look normal on an old car
0: yeah sure sure
2: but uh so yeah it, it depends on the car and and you know if it's a Fisker Karma that has twenty twos so in the factory, <laughs> yeah. don't don't go any bigger. Just just don't. Well, but I would <laughs> all, wagon wheels. But
1: you have also touched on it, and I think the key thing here is what are you wanting out of the car? If you live in a place where your roads and, and think about your roads, if your roads are not beat up, your roads are pretty smooth. Maybe you can go bigger. Maybe, but I think if this is a daily car for you and you are on roads that beat you up at all, do not go bigger. Maybe even consider going smaller because that's where that that actual just sidewall of the tire is going to help you with just having a nicer place to be. Bigger's only good if you end up finding better grip and not beating yourself up. And guess what? Also, your tires become more expensive, so ponder oh, yeah. that as well.
2: A common thing to do with wheels is they, they call it plus ones. So you go yep. up an inch yep. and maybe wider an inch. Yep, yep, that's yep. That's a very common thing to do. and that's For what, sure. And it can make your car look a
0: little nicer, it can. The legend continues. On Instagram asks, what specific shape is the pool of Porsche? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and where does the integrated hot tub with waterfall go? <laughs> The the shape of the pool is in the shape of a repair invoice, whatever nice. that is. Nice. Maybe it has perforations alongside, Maybe it doesn't, and you know it's got to start at at least what twenty five hundred to five grand somewhere in there. So that's that's the is, shape of the pool right there. Is, is, the, is
2: the hot tub <laughs> air cool, air heated, or water heated? Uh, yes.
0: I'm well. It depends. When was it installed? Was it installed before nineteen ninety nine or after nineteen ninety nine? Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> maybe it, it's installed at your penthouse at the time. Of the Porsche Design Tower in Miami because they actually do that too. They they're <laughs> that crazy insane. No, I'm not saying that. You know, they're all the they're unreliable. That's what, not what I'm saying. What shape is the pool? Well, I like that. That's
1: good. I'm gonna <laughs> leave shape that of to an you. Uh, Duo Rockwell on Instagram wrote in and said, "With someone for someone, I'm assuming himself, with no experience with the dual clutch, mm. what's a good first experience to have?" Oh. yeah. Now I'm gonna go I am just gonna walk through some of these. I'm gonna go to the obvious place and then I'm gonna kinda of retreat back. If you can get into a Porsche sports car. And the newer the okay. better. Okay. I mean you can do like the macan has got it as well, but see if you can get into a Cayman or a nine eleven. Probably something middle of the performance range. See yeah, if you can turn yeah. on it. And if you can, I would say get newer than probably twenty twelve, if possible. Because they've kept Agreed. refining yeah. that gearbox. That gearbox is out in like Oh nine or 2010 or something like that, but try to get 2012 or newer. If you can, get the newer newer version because they keep refining it. It becomes more and more intuitive and smoother. Yeah. But beyond that, try the BMW M cars. Those have got really good ones. Yeah, for sure. Retreating from that again, I wouldn't go with my Mitsubishi. I think it's interesting, but it's not good enough for a first experience. See if you can get into a Golf with the DSG, a GTI with the DSG, but you've got to go somewhere and drive it hard. Mm-hmm. The other mm-hmm. ones, I think, you're going to experience and be impressed with, no matter what. The DSG, I think, only comes into its own if you're really kind of caning it. <laughs> Otherwise, I, it's it's just it it's kind of innocuous. It kind of vanishes.
0: And I think the DCT in your Mitsubishi now is it, it's not for uh, oh, you've graduated and you you have such fine taste in wine now. It's more <laughs> I <have> like fine <laughs> taste in nothing. <laughs> no, you, not true. You, you you're willing to take on the uh, the other side of the equation. Yeah, I wanted to have a totally different experience, which is one of the reasons I pursued it. Yeah, And
1: I mean, it's not... It's amazing that that company even had a successful well, dual-clutch gearbox, and actually, when you're working the paddles on it, it's actually... Here's the thing on that gearbox. It's much better if you're engaged and you're working the paddles than if you leave it to its own devices. Mm-hmm, the PDK mm-hmm. on the Porsches and the DCT on the BMWs can almost impress you the most when you leave them alone. You can use the good point and good you can do point, stuff. Actually, but those two, when when you get into a car where it's properly calibrated. I mean, I remember driving the new M4 on the track, and the guy was like, "Leave it alone," and it it did a good job of getting really well, close to the Well, Yes, vehicle. and a lot
0: of times the the car rep is going to say, "You know, what, let's show off the capabilities totally. of our transmission. Of Just
1: go ahead and don't but, touch it, and it'll yeah. press the daylights out of you." And, going, oh, and the blah. Porsches will do that. You can pull them, you can pull the paddles yourself, or they will. You'll keep thinking, "Wow, that did a great job of knowing where I needed to be on its own." The Mitsubishi can't do that, but the paddle actually interaction is good. Sure.
2: And I was going to say, adding to the BMW thing, last year, uh, the race team I was shooting for at Pirelli World Challenge, Mm -hmm. they were running in the touring car class, and they had the BMW M235 IRs, iRacings. Racings. okay. And they were all DSGs, Interesting. dual clutch cars. Really? Yeah, and really. Most of the drivers said, "Yeah, I just leave it in auto and let it do its thing, and I focus me.
0: on my lines." Interesting, interesting. And which a, in a
2: full blown race car, Yeah, which, yeah, yeah. which is,
0: speaks uh, volumes to their absolutely sure. New for That's sure what they're designed to do, and they're actually taking advantage of it. That's. Pretty huge. The
2: other one that's good to drive would be like a a GTI or Golf R. If you can get into one of those, if you can't can't find the PDK car, you'll find a a Golf with DSG. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. So I think last question for the group here, and that is from Remington G Twenty One on Instagram: the best single car to introduce someone to driving. And this is subjective. This could change next week. You don't have to have the definitive answer right now. I think I kind of know what cars are going to be thrown out. Yeah. But by the question. I know what you mean. It's not you've never driven before. It's driving, not steering your way through the world. It's actually enjoying a car. It's something with the recipe. You know it is. Mm -hmm. It's going to be front engine, rear drive, and probably manual transmission. Mm -hmm. And there's a handful of cars that it comes down to. So I'm curious to know what you guys think.
2: I'm actually going to say the car I learned to drive stick-on. It was my dad's 1973 Datsun 1200. Oh wow! It's this little tiny, 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 tiny yeah. little car, 1,200 wow. cc, four cylinder. It was bright orange. It was about the same color of orange as our Boxster was actually. That's funny. Okay. But uh, we'd drive around town in that car, and it was you know two seat, rear wheel drive. It made 60 horsepower on a good day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just cruising around, yeah, everyone horsepower. would see you, and you're just it was an experience driving this old little car around, and it was a I mean it was a rattly tin can, but it was just fun to be out in. That's Not good. necessarily to be seen in, but it was just fun to be out mm-hmm. in this old car that no one knew what it was. Mm-hmm. That's
1: cool. Well, actually, you've touched on something that I want to land on here. Because, of course, I'm going to say the 86 chassis, but I'm going to go beyond that. Okay. If you're going to get somebody introduced to fun driving, it needs to be on a good road with nice sweeping corners. That's almost more important than the car. That's and then good, My actually. secondary recommendation to you is going to be a car that weighs less than 3,000 pounds. Hmm. I'm even hmm. going to go away from, from rear-wheel drive and include front-wheel drives like the Mini, Are like you? the okay. Fiesta okay. ST, yeah. the 86. the uh, You know what? I'm even going to throw in a Honda Fit with a good gearbox driven hard. That can be surprisingly good. But it's got to be less than 3,000 pounds. And it needs to be manual transmission, and it needs a good road. Of course, Miatas are in here. Obviously, the Lotus is in here. But my yeah, point here yeah, is weight right. and a good road is going to be a big thing here with a car that has decent inputs, which is why something random like the Fit even works its way in, because the inputs are good, even if it's not a, like, a, like a good chassis, whereas Fiesta ST is fantastic. So is the 86 and the Mini and these kind of guys for this kind of fun. Some, something yeah. I've heard yeah. you say
2: before, too, Todd, is, you know, the the... And about halfway through the Cars film, the Pixar movie Cars. Yeah, yeah. There's a scene where, where Sally Porsche takes Lightning McQueen up mm-hmm. into the hills mm-hmm. and says, Let's go for a drive. Uh-huh. And they just go through this windy little canyon yeah, yeah. kind of road, and it's just every time I watch that scene, it's like that's what we're all about. It's-
1: Absolutely. It's one of the best it's so hysterical, think about it, you're right, I brought it up before. It's one of the best representations on film I've ever seen of why cars and driving are amazing, and it's in a Pixar animated film and it's not even a five minute scene. And they nail it.
0: You're saying it comes down to Porsche? Sally Porsche? I'm really not. Because, because, where you because, going with this? No, he's really not, because Lightning um, McQueen
1: is a you know a good old NASCAR. So you know that's it's all true. good.
0: No, I'm going with uh, the low horsepower, honestly. Chance touched it. on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you mentioned sixty horsepower, was that it? Sixty is
2: horsepower, it? my dad weighed it and it was like sixteen hundred pounds type of Wow. Little car. Wow, wow, and wow.
0: so I'll say the MX five, you know, you touched totally. on a, a yeah, great yeah. list, but I'm I'm sticking with that because of the power you cannot correct for your mistakes by flooring it mm, out of the mm. turn. And saying I'm a good fast driver, you've got to connect your corners. You've got to connect, you know, everything and keep that momentum. Yeah. So if it's a low power and you're still fast, that's where the sweet spot is. And feeling that and weight, yeah. having that feel that even Camrys, you can overcorrect. You can you can cover up your mistakes by flooring, and getting out of there with power. And they've mm-hmm. got a lot of power. Modern cars do. Yeah, and yeah, modern yeah. cars are great. Even the. Well, not the eighty six tires, but most modern cars riding on most modern tires. (laughs) They're surprising at what they can do. Yeah. Yeah, And you know, people feeling that and thinking, Well, it's low power and then teaching techniques, you've adjusted your driving style dramatically to be Mm. able to do that. Guys, thank you a million. We really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed. And uh, keep writing your questions to us, everydaydriver.tv at gmail.com is the the debates where the debates go along with the website, everydaydriver.com. And then, uh, of course, the social media questions. We just love hearing what's on your mind. And uh, again, sure, appreciate it. Looking forward to next time. Cheers.
1: You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be.
3: I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's
1: pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like...